Hello and welcome to How We Made That App. I'm your host, Madhukar Kumar. After starting my career as a developer and then slowly moving to the dark side in product management, finally I'm now the Chief Marketing Officer at Single Store, and that's a real title. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Dave Eiler, Senior Director of Product Management at Single Store. Across Dave's extremely impressive career, he has held product roles at Apple, ThoughtSpot, Databricks, and more. Dave, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to be here, Madhukar. Let's start with a question that I get asked quite a lot. Dave, how do you pronounce your name? Uh, my name is uh, Dave Eiler. Got it. Got it. It says here that you have an MBA from Columbia. At what point did you wake up in the morning and decided you needed to waste your parents' money? <laughs> You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, looking back on it, I think it is uh, it's different than the way I look forward on it. But I guess for me, I uh, I wanted to join the dark side, as you put it. And um, I was a software engineer and I thought, hey, maybe if I get an MBA, that'll be a way to switch careers. And it did serve that purpose. So I suppose it wasn't a total waste. I was a terrible software engineer, which is why I became a product manager. Is that why you also became a product manager? Yeah, you know, uh, all those bugs, man. And it's like, they're not going to be my problem anymore. What, what, what a dream. So, so it says here that you're a senior director of product management at Single Store. Uh, for our audience, can you tell them what is product management? Is it a fancy name for project management? You know, that is, there is a little bit, uh, a little bit of project management in there, but I wouldn't say, uh, that's the main thing. You're kind of, you're kind of, uh, the hub. It's, you got to speak every language. You got to be able to understand customers, what they want, figure out their real needs. You got to be able to work with the engineering team to build those things. You got to be able to work with the marketing team to sell those things, with the finance team to figure out how to price and package them. So that's one of the things I like about it is I get to, uh, to get to have the fun of working in a lot of different disciplines and with a lot of different people. Other than having to use Jira every day, what are some of the other challenges product managers currently face? And what do you, when do you think your role will be replaced by an AI chatbot? I mean, it's funny, uh, AI chatbots. I actually, uh, I'm thinking back on my software engineering skills when you say that, and I'm remembering probably a little better, like I think I was better than I was, but they've definitely degraded uh, over the years. And what I've found is now the ChatGPT exists and, uh, you know, uh, our Squirrelbot, which is in our incarnation of it, I'm able to be like a SQL and Python master again. Like I can get in there and stuff that I would struggle with. And uh, take me forever to figure out. I just asked. I just asked the bot, like, "What's wrong with this SQL?" And it pops the answer out. So it's pretty incredible. So instead of telling engineers how to code, you're now telling a bot. Tell us more about Squirrelbot. Yeah, Squirrelbot is our is our generative AI application, single store that is trained on our own data, our own docs, and the single store itself. So that in addition to all the goodness that you can expect of GPT, it knows our products super well. 
and um, it's integrated in there. Like you can talk to it and be like, you know, what should, you know, fix this Python code for me and then push a button and it'll just put it into a notebook cell. So it's, it's pretty incredible. And how do you know if it's generating the right answers for the users? You send it to people and then they yell at you when it's wrong. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, you, you do. It's funny. Uh, one of the drawbacks of uh, the GPT is the occasional hallucination. But, uh, you know, for I'll take nine out of 10 great answers and realize that I got to be extra careful to fact check uh, rather than, you know, say, oh, I'm not going to use it because it's, it's wrong every once in a while. You know, I was a product manager and I used to use Jira a lot. So if Jira certainly ceased to exist tomorrow, do you think product managers around the world would be out of jobs or will there be a spontaneous collective celebrations across the world? <laughs> People rag on Jira. Jira is like the ultimate like Swiss army knife. It's not good at anything, but it can be made to do anything. And like, I think uh, there is there is power in that. So I I don't... I, people make fun of Jira, but Jira is actually, I think, a pretty impressive piece of software if you overlook the uh, uh, the maddening nature of it sometimes. So you are, you are a Jira fanboy. I get it. <laughs> what is Single Store and, and how are you helping customers to develop modern enterprise applications? And remember, before you answer that question, a wrong answer could get you fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I've never, never been asked this before. It's actually, I actually like working at Single Store because our product is so differentiated. Um, we've got this incredible real-time analytics use case where we can ingest ultra fast, tons of transactions, write data into Single Store, uh, do analytics on them at the same time and serve applications. This is, this is just not a thing that is out there. So we solve uh, this in this need that is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. I want to have real-time analytics. I want to do real-time operations. I want to make smart decisions. As, you know, data grows and companies get smarter about data and their operations, like this is only getting increased. And so I, the thing I love about Single Store is it's actually an incredibly differentiated product and solves like a real need for our customers. So that's definitely one of my favorite things about the job. And, and, you know, even I've worked across multiple database companies. We all know that there's over 300 databases out in the world today. What makes Single Store different or special? You touched upon it, which is a combination of analytics and a combination of uh, transaction. But in general, if you, were to, if you were to talk to somebody who didn't know about Single Store, what is the main use case or the value that gets driven out of if you're using something that has both analytics as well as transactions? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think uh, the, the best way to understand it is to look at the different use cases. So you have a lot of different applications and domains where you're generating a huge amount of data and you got to do analysis. You got to ingest it super fast and you got to do analysis on it super fast. So these are things like maybe I've got uh, stock trades that I want to watch and I want to watch my system for how fast they execute. Maybe I've got um, a network that I want to watch for security intrusions or that I want to I want to make sure that it's um 
uh, it's super fast and it's functioning well. Maybe I've got, uh, you know, an ad campaign and I'm wanting to optimize the different, uh, the different ads that I show and react super quickly when, when certain ones are performing when others aren't. I go on and on and on. It's basically like something's happened super fast. It's got high business value and you need to react to it and do analysis on it really quick. There's a lot of databases out there that will ingest fast. But this minute you try to do any kind of query where you're looking at over history or looking for trends or analysis, it's just like snooze fest. It gets really slow. So uh, is that all the applications today? Or do you think that is true only for certain applications where you require analytics in a very split second manner? I think that there are... Then, you know, there are applications that don't need analytics, like, you know, we're doing this podcast right now. And I mean, it's OK if we don't uh, if we don't get a trend of like analysis over how the podcast is going. So, you know, it's not every application, but um, I think there's tons and it's growing more and more the use cases for this type of analysis. And it's funny, like AI has triggered this now because the AI is powered by these vector nearest neighbor queries that are definitely require real-time analysis and we perform super well on. So the, what we're finding is the more and more and more applications are demanding this kind of super fast ingest and the ability to do analytics on it in real time. Speaking of AI, and you've been in the database industry for long, what is the future of databases and Feel free to use AI at least a hundred times. <laughs> I, I think d databases, I think, are are a means to an end. And the way I the way I look at the database space is in the beginning, before the cloud, there was another platform shift before AI was uh, was the cloud computing shift. You know, there weren't a ton of databases. You had Oracle, you had SQL Server. They're multi-purpose. They can do a ton of different things. And what happens is you have a platform shift like uh, uh, cloud computing and everything fragments into a million pieces. There's a million players doing it, doing every little different thing. Like I can do this well in the cloud. I can do this well in the cloud. And I think we're we're converging now to where it's like customers, they don't want to have a million databases. Like they want they want to have, you know, the smallest number of databases they can and serve all their use cases. And that's really the power of single store that like this, this vector analysis use case, it's not like we had to go build a, hundred, a ton of stuff to make it work, we already had it because we're a super powerful database, you know, shared nothing, distributed, uh, and just built purpose built for speed. And, you know, we're making some improvements to support those use cases, but the beauty of it, it was mostly it was already there because we want to be that general purpose database uh, in the new world, in the cloud computing platform, in an AI world. And we think we're very well positioned to reach that fit, to reach that uh, goal. And in general with AI, where do you think databases are headed? Are you seeing more real-time use cases with AI? Do you see more semantic uh, kind of searches or combined or hybrid? If you were to make a bet, what would you bet on in terms of features for databases in the next few months to a few years? And how are you shaping it at Single Store? Yeah, so so what we're looking at is um, a lot of queries that are around vectors are really just like huge lists of numbers. And what you want to do is you want to do analysis on those numbers and you want to find uh, the, the nearest match to the number you're looking for and you want to multiply them together in order to get these dot products, which is kind of what the words mean. Like, you know, the word because to GPT is like a gigantic list of numbers. That's its that's its value of it. And, you know, the word words like um, breakfast and dinner are both meals will be similar lists of numbers 
when you multiply them together. That's how you, that's how you compare these things. And these types of queries are going to become more and more popular, uh, uh, in AI use cases because GPT and these generative AI is going to be behind all of these different apps. So all of these apps are going to have to do this and do these types of queries, which luckily for us perform extremely well in single store. So we're well positioned for that. So going back to product management in your earlier database days, where do you think uh, the application development is headed? Do you think it's every single application that we have today, they'll have a generative AI component or they will all turn into generative AI? Or what do you see in the market today? Um, you know, I'm wary of uh, anytime you get... Uh, uh, hype cycle. It's like everything will use this. I don't know that AI will be in every single application, but I can tell that the applications uh, that I use, like almost any application, it's going to be, there are areas when it's hard to use. And we've, we're living in a world where it's like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to Google stuff. I'm going to look through the docs. I have all these bad solutions. I got to call somebody. There is nothing like typing your question into a bot and getting a good answer. We've been getting bad answers for decades. Like, I don't know, you've, you've, I'm sure you're familiar with like all, everybody is like, say they has chatbots. Now the chatbots work. So I think that um, any application that is not like a, you know, a search box and nothing else, it has some complexity to it, can be made tremendously better by having a, a text interface that works super well, that'll help you with that application. And so I, I do see a tremendous amount of possibilities for this technology to be used across a ton of different applications. And do you see the current hype cycle or trend different from the past or with cloud or with even crypto, or do you think it's it's very similar? Crypto, I was always skeptical of. Like, I just, like, I don't get it. Like, I mean, I get the Bitcoin and like, okay, like now this is like, uh, the Bitcoin itself, like that one, I can see, okay, it's good to have money that's outside of the government. It's kind of shady, maybe a little bit, but I never was a believer in crypto. Cloud computing is a big one. I think this is the biggest thing. AI and generative AI, GPT is the biggest thing since the 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 iPhone. I think probably maybe bigger, maybe since the internet. Like I, I is it is it's going to change a tremendous amount of the experiences that people have. And I'm super excited. I'm su I haven't been excited about a platform shift like this in a long time. Have you been using ChatGPT yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I mentioned, um, I mentioned one use case. It's incredible at writing code. So like now I'm back to like my, like in my, in my twenties when I was, you know, making bugs and, and, and blaming them on other people. I'm now, I'm now at that level or, or better. Um, also I like it. Um, I read a lot of blogs, uh, and, uh, including for single store. And it's fun that I can kind of put, take my text and blobs of it and put it in there. And I just say like, make it better. And, you know, I don't take all the edits, but like I take a lot of the edits. I'm like, I like I sound so good, you know, when I write that. So um, I think um, helping me use software, helping me write code, helping me make my blogs better. I mean, those are just three that I use. And um, this is we're just scratching the surface. The stuff's just going to get bigger and bigger. What was the first question you asked of ChatGPT? Because that tells a lot about someone. You know, my son asked me, like, he's always, he's got all these questions about uh, uh, 
history that he asks all the time. And I think I probably started asking like like world history questions to just like get a sense for like, is this thing smart at all? Like, I don't know what was asking about, like the Roman Empire or something, probably something like that. I asked what is product management and still couldn't answer my question. <laughs> product management is amazing because it changes so much from company to company. Like it, it really depends on your culture, like who does what. Product, product management a lot of the times is like is like the glue that hold things together. You're responsible. You know, I like to tell people on my team, like we if you if it's like there's a story of like the kid with his hand in the dike, right? Like a dam with like a leak in it. And I'm like, if you see a leak, if it's a pro one of your jobs as a product manager is you 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 rush in when there's a problem. If you see a leak in the dike, you put you better do it yourself and plug that and then you're gonna build the system around it that'll free you from having to do that and then you're on to to the next problem. So that's one of the fun things is that like the the variability of the job. It's all over the place. Do you remember the first feature or the first product that you worked on and started with an idea and ended with an actual feature that was part of your product? Yeah, let's see. If I go to the Wayback Machine, I guess the first software product I worked on as an engineer was a Palm Pilot app called Business Trip Pro. It was like actually a company I, I founded and it was like kind of like Trip It Now. Like uh, if you if you remember, if you know what that is, um, keep track of your business travel. That was the first one that I did as an engineer. The first one I did as a PM was I used to work at a company called Sling Media that now is known for Sling TV. But back then there was a thing called a Sling Box that you put on your TV and they let you watch it in other places. And I, uh, my first product manager product was the iPhone app that lets you kind of watch your TV wherever you are. And this is before, you. I mean, today you can just watch whatever you want, whenever you want. But back then there were all these rights issues so you couldn't get the good stuff on your phone. Did you ever work on a feature or a product that's still around other than single store? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, that those products I just said are are are, are still around. I mean, their the apps exist. They they're direct from the cloud now. They're not from the Slingbox. Uh, I worked on um, at Thoughtspot. I worked on uh, uh, Thoughtspot Everywhere, which is an embedded analytics product. At Apple, I worked on uh, App Analytics, which is now part of App Store Connect. So let developers see like what's going on with their apps without instrumenting anything. Uh, Databricks, I worked on Databricks Partner Connect, which is kind of their, their partner platform for like integrating, making it easy to integrate with uh, other partner products. So yeah, I've had a, luckily a lot of my stuff is still out there. And, and over the years, how have you seen both product management as well as application building evolve over a period of time? Do you think it's drastically different than what used to happen a few years ago? Or is it more or less the same, but there are nuances? Is it easier, faster? What are some general things that uh, that you feel are different because of the evolution of how we build products? I think back in the beginning, it was much more like the product manager is like really setting all coming up with the ideas and setting the direction themselves. And over time is like, I think like, you know, engineers and designers have gotten more involved. It's much more collaborative. People are coming up with different ideas. Like I, I like to tell my team that it's like you coming up 
with the idea of the great idea of what the product should do is like the least optimal outcome. Like it's like better for it to come from, from customers or from the engineers themselves or the designers like that is you want to you want to bring like the context and the understanding to your team and help them ideate hackathons are great and thing we never used to do. So many features come from hackathons now. So I think it's it's become much more collaborative of like, you know, where the, the strategy and the ideas and the direction are coming from is very cool. So when you think about the product strategy for the next one year or next five years, what does a typical thinking process look like? Do you just walk into a hackathon and they'll say, let's see what comes out at the end of the day? Well, there is that. So there's the bottoms up ideas. You got to have strategy uh, on top of that for sure. That's a that's a different process. And that comes from talking to customers, understanding the landscape, understanding what the different products uh, are out there and um, understanding the needs of the business. And so you you, you want to have that bottoms-up approach because a lot of the best ideas come from that, but you also have to have the right strategy to focus the team in the right direction to do what the company needs and what customers want. Um, so hopefully you're meeting in the middle. You have like that kind of top-down strategic force and also the bottoms-up kind of innovation force. So when it comes to top-down strategic force, do you typically start with an existing customer need or do you have a vision of where do you think this market will be and how would your product differentiate and then come up with ideas? How do you prioritize where the entire focus of the team would be for the next, you know, let's say one year? I like to look at a few different things. I like to gather as much customer feedback as I can. I do that in a few different ways. So one of the things we do is our customer advisory board where we bring all the customers together and we get them talking. We show them some ideas and we also get them talking about what they want. So that's a that's a great source. Um, another great source, and this is what I've, this is my code writing that I do now, is I've got like a kind of mega customer query that I use to see all this different data about all of our different customers, how they're using our product, um, you know, the kinds of support tickets they log, how many like hours they have, compute hours they burn, like their different characteristics. So I'm looking for patterns and like what our customers are doing, what they're saying um, in a more kind of data driven way rather than just talking to them and seeing that uh, as well. And also just looking at you know you gotta you gotta have your eye on the trends and see what's going on in the news this generative ai thing is a thing that you're not going to get um from talking to your current customers because it's all so new everybody's doing it so you gotta you gotta also watch uh like what is you know what is in the news and what are the new trends what are developers doing that's always a great way to see um because they'll pick it up first developers will pick up the new trends before anyone speaking of uh, data analysis that you were just talking about um Machine learning, data science in general, how do you see that changing both now, a few months from now, and a few years from now, especially in the light of databases, generative AI, and so on? I think the tools are just proliferating more and more to allow customers to do more and more on their own. One of the things I'm excited about, single stores products, we've introduced our notebooks um, and all of a sudden you have the ability, uh, you know, to run uh, Python and SQL in the notebook form. And um, we're also going to be adding some really cool features where you can call these things from the database engine, call their libraries. And so the, the tools to do machine learning are going from a very, a very, what was a very small group of specialists who are just kind of, you know, geeking out on these, uh, uh, neural nets. And you also see other, you know, products in the tool chain, like Hugging Face, like, um, uh, Data IQ. 
that are making these things available to more and more practitioners. And so it's going to go from where only a small number of developers were able to utilize this to more just as like a standard part of your developer toolkit. Like, you know, of course, of course, we use AI and ML where it's appropriate. So I know I've had a couple of uh, very fresh out of school engineers come to me and say, how have you transitioned from being an engineer or developer to product management? If somebody asked you that question, what would your advice be? And, you know, keep in mind again, in the near future, as well as in the longer term, AI is going to change things considerably. So if I were to, if I was an engineer and I said, hey, Dave, I am looking to become a product manager, what advice would you give me? Yeah, yeah. And, and that is a question that I get constantly. Like, I think a lot of the, the role appeals to a lot of people because of like the nature of what I was talking about. You get to work on some of your things. You get a lot of ownership over the over success. And um, a lot of people that's really appealing to definitely is definitely is for me. Um, I think the best way to transition into product management is you got to understand how software teams work. And you got to have some kind of role like nobody, the product manager is in some sense, the leader of the software team and like the software team is the one to follow. Somebody who doesn't know anything about what a software team does. So if you can uh, write code or be a designer or a tester or do something that is that is being part of a software team, you can kind of watch what the PM does. This is how this is a lot of how I learned it. Um, and, and in terms of AI, well, like software teams are using AI more and more. So like having that knowledge is critical if you're going to be part of if you're going to have um, influence over a team, you got to be well versed in these things, and and you know, uh, otherwise nobody will want to listen to you. Why why is that appeal? Because I have thought about this quite a lot, and I'll tell you my experience as well. But why is that? Why do you think a lot of engineers or a lot of folks in general want to become product managers? What is that appeal? For me, it was like, I don't know, I always had so many ideas of like what the product should do. And like, I don't know, maybe one of my PMs was not very nice when I was an engineer, but it was like, he didn't use these exact words, but this is like the phrase that makes sense in my head. It would be like, Dave, like focus on the keyboard, like, you know, do that feature I asked you for and like, let me like figure out what the product does. And I'm just like, well, I want to figure out what the product does. Like, that sounds like a lot more fun than just banging out these features. Like, I want to have a bigger scope. So, um, you know, I think that uh, just... It's a creative act, right? Like software is a creative act, but it's like, at least, at least in, from my perspective, I get more out of it, the bigger the thing that I'm creating is, and you, you can only code so many features yourself. Whereas if you can kind of like uh, be a part of the creation of the wider product, then at least more rewarding from my perspective to get involved in more and more. Yeah, personally, my draw was, I enjoyed telling people what to do. <laughs> still do and uh, honestly yeah honestly like one of the best one of the most important skills is how do you influence people without them thinking that you're telling them what to do and that is like that's one of the things that differentiates like the rookie pms from the grizzled veterans is like you know you it is a it's an influence game and you just like you get better and better at it uh over time so given your back background as well as experience in databases and you're a veteran and telling people what to do. Have you considered uh, joining Gartner? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Only like if you had to like, if you had to rank like what I would want to do in the tech world, that would not be, 
the top of the list. Okay. Always do. Let's let's move on. And uh, now we're in the last section. Let's do some quick hits. So let's let's talk about a few things that we don't know about you yet. If you were to make an app today and you could think of any app in the world and you had unlimited resources, what app would you build? I mean, it would definitely have some AI on it. I'm fascinated with uh, with generative AI, so it would be related to that. Um, I, uh, I, I do, you know, and I love databases. Like, you know, maybe something it's like talk to the database. I don't know. Something like that, maybe. Great. In terms of using apps or software on a day-to-day basis, which one do you use the most? And keep in mind, the right answer is single store. I mean, obviously, I just told you about my mega query. I use it all the time. I'm kind of weird in that I've jammed things into my calendar that is like not normal. I've realized like I've, I, my calendar is also my to-do list and I have like this big, like that's like my system of not forgetting things is revolves around like huge numbers of meetings that don't block my calendar and get moved around. So I also have this ideas around like, a new kind of productivity calendar app that meets my needs uh, might be something that I was interested in. What do you do when you're not telling other people what to do or working on product management? You know, I got my uh, my wife and my two sons. They're four and eight. Uh, we enjoy the oldest is into soccer right now. They're both uh, like Roblox a lot. So there's a lot of Roblox and uh, Minecraft sessions. Uh, you know, like to go out to dinner with my wife, hang out with my brother and my friends, you know, uh, play poker a lot. <laughs> Been doing that more and more. So. Last question. This is something I struggle with quite a lot as well. How do you lie to your parents when they ask you what do you do for a living? <laughs> My mom said to me, I, I shoot you not, a few days ago, like, like David, she calls me David. I don't understand what you do, but I just want you to be happy. I'm like, I'm happy, mom. It's great. Love single store. She's like, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, David. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed learning more about what you do and a little bit more about project management. So thank you again. And uh, that brings us to the end of the show. All right. Great to chat, Madhukar. 